everybody. Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist with Crystal Martinez Acosta. I'm a licensed professional counselor and today we have a special guest and her name is Kathleen Funk. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I am Kathleen. I am a traditional Chinese medical practitioner, which means that I am a licensed acupuncturist and registered herbalist. I specialize in women's health and facial rejuvenation. So this is so <laughs> great. I I don't know very many people that do what you do. Actually, you're the only person I know that does this kind of work. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a, a privilege for me to be able to speak with you and have the chance to consult with you because... Seriously, I don't know anybody else that does this stuff. So I think what you oh have to goodness. say is super important. And I think you can shed light on on your profession and um, explain what it is. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Well, my journey into entrepreneurship started with my realization of really wanting to become an acupuncturist. I, as you know, um, my great-grandmother was a traditional Filipino healer, so I'm a fourth-generation traditional healer. Um, but I actually started out in Western medicine. So I went to college, and I was in pre-med, and I was totally on the MD track. Um, and during that time, I started experiencing severe hormonal imbalances. And my gynecologist at the time uh, sought to remedy all of this by you know, putting me on a bunch of different medications and throwing a whole bunch more hormones at me. Um, and that in itself presented a problem as that caused even more symptoms and made my situation even worse. And um, out of desperation, I, I went to go see this acupuncturist in El Paso who I think turned out to be more so like a shaman healer than an acupuncturist. It was a really interesting experience. But I walked away from that treatment feeling so much more grounded, like more grounded than, I've ed than I'd ever felt um, in a really long time. And she really helped me balance my hormones naturally. And I walked away from it realizing that, hmm, there's really something here. And so when I returned back into college, after I had taken a little time off trying to um, heal my own body, I wanted to really reconsider what sort of physician I wanted to be. And acupuncture, or traditional Chinese medicine rather, really presented this holistic modality that, that was a full representation of all of the things that I wanted to address in the human body. It sounds like you noticed some differences and you weren't feeling very good. And so um, out of desperation, like you said, I think a lot of people reach that point where they've gone to doctors, they've gone to psychiatrists and therapists and all kinds of other people, and they still can't find an answer to what's going on. So then you sought out your own, I guess, traditional healer. Is that okay to say? Uh, the lady. Yeah, I think that might be the best way to say it. She she was an acupuncturist, but I think that she did a lot more like energy work, and she seemed to do like uh, Native American healing, which is still something kind of new to me, but really interesting. I know that right now you said yourself that you are a traditional Chinese healer. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so. You also refer to yourself as an acupuncturist, but it sounds like there's a slight difference between those two. Can you talk about that? 
So um, traditional Chinese medicine is what I practice. It's the whole standalone medicine. And acupuncture is a modality within that medicine. It's one of the tools that we use to practice that medicine as a whole. And I think that it's... Um, it's pretty much interchangeable nowadays because our license is in being able to practice specifically acupuncture. And that also covers traditional Chinese medicine. So in the state of Texas, um, in order to be a TCM practitioner, you have to be both a licensed acupuncturist and an herbalist. So you take uh, courses and exams, or boards rather, that uh, qualify you for that. In other states, um, you can be one or the other. I think like in New York, you you only have to be a licensed acupuncturist, and you you need to have like a separate testing for um, herbalism. In Texas, where you practice, um, you have to have both. And yeah. what's interesting is that, and I didn't know this, and um, I'm thinking that maybe you can explain a little bit more about this, but that you do have to pass certification and board exams to practice this. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's a four-year master's program. So you have to have your your bachelor's, and you apply into a master's program. Um, it took me about three and a half years. I think now they've added a lot more um requirement so people end up staying four to five years for this which should be really a doctorate program <laughs> they give you a master's at the end of it and um and you do um statewide and uh, nationwide boards so they test you on acupuncture herbs um foundations of chinese medicine as well as western medicine that is a lot of stuff to know and like you said four to five years it sounds like a doctoral program Yes, absolutely. And I don't think acupuncturists get enough, you know, they don't get enough credit for how much they actually have to learn. I would consider myself somebody who doesn't really know very much about traditional Chinese medicine or acupuncture. And so really, I wanted to bring you on the show because I wanted to give you kind of like this platform to be able to explain what it is, but also to explain to me personally, my own selfish <laughs> reasons, you know, like what it is. My perception is, okay, so this is a person who is maybe like a holistic or non, I guess, non-Western traditional like medicine practitioner. And maybe they get a degree of some sort and maybe they... Um, have some interaction with either um, like a Native American culture or a Chinese culture where they brought that type of healing to their practice and they don't really have any other qualifications except for that practice or it's something that was passed on to them from like an ancestor or something. All honesty, that was my perception. And so I'm really glad that you're here to talk about what it actually is. And you know, I... I'm not like the smartest, most cultured person in the world, but I have a master's degree and I yeah. and I still have that perception, right? So I wanted to really make sure that that was clear to people, that you all really do work hard and you have to know a lot about a lot of different topics related to health. For sure. And you know, that is a common misconception because that, I think that what you described is probably the case decades ago. You know, so when acupuncture first came into the States, it was very much that. People were grandfathered into the system because you didn't learn from anyone else aside from, like, maybe your great-grandmother or, great or, like, grandfather who passed it down to their son and their son passed it to you. Um, and that's how you learned acupuncture back in the day. Um, but I think that sometime in the 80s or 90s is really when we started doing standardized schooling 
um, standardized testing. So all of the acupuncture schools, in order for you to, um, in order for you to qualify for national testing, you have to go to an accredited school. I see. Okay, and accreditation, yeah. as we know, is somewhat of a rigorous process where schools, I guess, are legitimized, right? Yes, they they go into. Um, they do full audits. They have to look at all, uh, whether your students are successful after they graduate or not, uh, whether or not they they know what they're talking about, you know, all of that stuff. I guess, like, that's what you want to look for in a licensed acupuncturist. You want to make sure that they have their master's, at least their master's in acupuncture and oriental medicine. Um, they have their license in whatever state they're practicing in. If Some states don't require um, a license, but in Texas, you definitely do. And you want to make sure that they are um, they are licensed nationally as well with the NCCAOM. I think that in this day and age, there's so many people um, that can be practicing something and they might be saying that they're certified in this or certified in that. Um, but I think when you really look at somebody's um, wall of certificates, those are the kinds of things you want to look for in an acupuncturist or in a doctor, in a professional, right? Because you want to make sure that they've been tested so you've proved yourself competent and that you're not going to do something that's totally off the wall that could hurt somebody. Medicine and mental health are evolving. We have to consider more traditional ways or even uncommon ways to help people with whatever kind of ailment they have. Um, so I was wondering if you can explain a little bit about what the benefits are of acupuncture. Acupuncture is one modality in the larger whole of traditional Chinese medicine. TCM is a standalone medicine that offers a, a holistic perspective to health concerns. So with that, acupuncture treats a wide variety of disorders and has a myriad of benefits. To name a few, um, acupuncture helps decrease inflammation in the body and results can span from mood regulation to decreased pain and reversal of autoimmune issues among many other systemic benefits. And it does this through its inhibitory effect on inflammatory cytokines. Acupuncture can help with depression and regulating anxiety by inducing the release of serotonin. And you know, last but not least, among many other benefits, acupuncture also boosts the immune system by increasing white blood cells in the body and immune boosting benefits appear for about 72 hours after a single session and persist for about one month after the end of a complete treatment. That is amazing. So what it sounds like to me, Kathleen, is that acupuncture is a way for you to stimulate or induce certain things that happen in our body naturally, but making them happen more frequently or at a higher intensity. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, a lot of times people have gone to other Western medical practitioners and they can't seem to find the answer for what's going on with them. And that happens often with like uh, hormonal imbalances, infertility, autoimmune issues. Um, it's basically instances in which your body's processes aren't functioning in the way that they're supposed to function. So it's kind of like, yeah, that totally makes sense. So um, something in their body is not working the way it should. And to even regular medical professionals that are, have MDs and stuff like that have probably already tried a 
myriad of things with that person and maybe it's not working and so they have this mystery on their hands and so they kind of you know go to your office to see answers to what's happening yeah that is the most common um, that I get I also get a lot of people who come in for facial rejuvenation but that's like a whole other podcast <laughs> acupuncture works in such a way that it induces these natural processes to kind of get going again because there's something off-center, right? There's something that's kind of like missing in the link. And so your body should naturally be able to heal itself. That's what it's supposed to do. Um, and somehow putting more drugs, putting more um, external stuff into it tends to bog down the system. Um, not always, but sometimes it's just as simple as just recentering and kind of like recalibrating the body so that it can do what it's supposed to do on its own. That's a nice way to put it, recalibrating or like resetting the body, like and its responses, its natural responses to these problems. That's so awesome. So can you talk a little bit about the process of acupuncture? I, maybe not like the really sciencey stuff, but if somebody yeah. were to come in to see you, what would they expect? So uh, somebody would come in to first see me, they would fill out some very thorough paperwork. So I do a full health history exam. Um, I get into all of the symptoms that they're experiencing. And we do traditional Chinese medical diagnosis, which means that I feel for their pulse and I look at their tongue. So pulse reading and tongue reading are unique to acupuncture because we see the body the human body as um, an empirical text, while Western physicians might look at imaging or scans or blood tests to figure out what's going internally, um, we are trained to listen to the body to feel for imbalances. So when I feel for the pulse, there are three different locations on both sides of the wrist and three different depths, and rather than looking at, like, let's say, the uh, rate of pulse, we actually look at the the texture of the pulse and that in turn gives us uh, an idea of what's going on internally and when we look at the tongue we're able to see what sort of digestive imbalances might be there like let's say if your tongue your tongue is supposed to be nice and light pink um, very healthy with a light white coating right now if somebody comes in with a huge crack down the middle a really red tip and a really thick coating that tells me that you've probably got some digestive issues you've probably got a lot of stress you have a lot of um you probably are experiencing dysbiosis meaning that you've got some um some issues in your in your gut flora and you're probably not absorbing food as well as you should be that sort of thing that is so amazing i had no idea that even the assessment is different well it makes sense because since it's a whole different practice the way you assess and get information is going to be different and uh different from what i think the average person in america is used to yeah for sure i mean like the it's, a, it's more than like 20 questions that i ask i go from everything like you know how's your sleep how's your energy levels um how often are you are you having bowel movements you know all the fun questions people are always like very surprised as to like what they have to pay attention to within their own body and it's kind of cool because um you can really tell that people don't pay attention to these things within themselves, and it's almost like an opportunity to step back and really listen to your own body when you have to answer these questions. That's true. So it causes you to be a little more mindful about what's happening inside your body and the processes. You know, because I honestly, like, 
the questions or the things that you're talking about that you assess for, I, I don't keep track of that. Like, how often, <laughs> how often do I have a bowel movement? Like, how much water am I drinking? Like, I try to generally do what feels right for my body. Um, but yeah. I can imagine how people would come into your office and be kind of surprised. Like, what? You want to know, like, all these things and habits that I engage in, but I'm not really aware. So how do... How do patients usually react to that or do they have to kind of like go back home and take notes and then come back or how does that work? Um, sometimes they, well, they, they're able to answer all those things up front. Um, if they don't know those things and they, they just kind of observe for the next week and see if there are any shifts. But a lot of times people are a little bashful at first and they realize that there's nothing to be shy about because it's all there to help them anyway. But like, so I had a patient who came in uh, last week who had been dealing with some low back pain, um, some chronic low back pain, and she was given opioids um, to help with the pain. And when I asked her about her bowel movements, she was like, oh, they're normal. And I had to dig a little bit because I, you know, I could feel in her pulse that there was probably some blockage going on in the digestive area. And so I asked her, you know, how often are you going? And she's like, oh, once every five days. You know, oh my, yeah. Yeah, and that's not normal at all, you know, um, and I, I suppose, like, those are things that people don't stop to really think about themselves to, um, and oddly enough, you know, after we had gotten that, um, that resolved, her pain resolved as well. This is something that is not normal, so if you're going to the bathroom once every five days, it's generally, you know, noted as not normal, but... Um, she probably was experiencing that for a long time, I would imagine. Yeah, and typically when she goes to the doctor, the, the, her issue is pain, so nobody really takes a look at the digestive system. Interesting. So when you talk about texture of the pulse, that intrigues me. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, and I, you know, on our own time, I can even show you like where to feel too, because it's so interesting. It's one of my favorite parts of tra traditional Chinese medicine. And um, so when you feel for the pulse, it's on the radial side of your wrist. Um, you're feeling with your index, middle, and ring finger, and you should feel um, the sort of smoothness of the pulse, right? And so when you're feeling for the texture, you'll find that people who are more, uh, let's say tense or who are experiencing pain, it'll feel like a taut guitar string instead. And so there are like so many words to describe pulse in our diagnosis. It can be stringy, it can be thready. Um, there's one pulse that feels literally like a bead that's rolling back and forth underneath the skin. Wow, that's so amazing. So you have to really be in tune with that person and be totally focused on what you're doing. Pulse diagnosis is an art. And for a lot of acupuncturists, it takes years to really get that as fine-tuned. Um, and there are a couple people that I studied under. Like When they feel for your pulse, I mean, they can they know what you ate three days ago, which is crazy to me. But, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not at that level yet. But um, if there is a there's a science and an art to it. Yeah, you know, that kind of reminds me of my own profession too, how when you start, it's kind of robotic and you try your hardest, but then once you start to get lots of experience and do these things over and over, therapy then becomes an art. And so there are some things that the untrained eye can pick up on or the, inex the inexperienced eye can't pick up on that you can. The art is really important and that's an important aspect in 
in your practice. Absolutely. And I, I totally get what you're talking about because there are those subtleties that you simply miss when you're only looking at test results. You know, when there are a plethora of things that you can observe on the human body with a person directly in front of you, like the body doesn't lie. And it's, it is a lost art in that, like, when's the last time you walked into a doctor's office and they're like, let me look at your tongue, you know, let me, let me see what's going down in your throat. Yeah. They would, they'd probably do it just to check for whatever, like normal, like, do you have strep throat basically? (laughs) Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I make those comments, I'm certainly not disparaging Western medicine because I I think that there's a time and place for it. um, And I think that we can most definitely benefit when we learn from each other. Um, But there there are things as as far as like bedside manner and just like listening to a patient's body and really observing that that seems to be missed in modern medicine. To really have a holistic or comprehensive assessment or diagnosis or treatment of a person, it takes several professionals. Um, And I think when we all work collaboratively, then it works out for the best or the better of the patient. And so I wonder how you collaborate with other health professionals. Yeah, uh, I do a lot of um, cross referrals actually so you know I, I tend to be brought in when um, certain healthcare professionals are, are stumped <laughs> that's kind of like my role uh, when people need like a different perspective that's typically when they bring me in to kind of help out um, we do a lot of uh, cross referrals in that like if somebody is experiencing body pain and this doctor feels like they're a good candidate for acupuncture as opposed to opioids, they'll probably send them to me instead. Or um, women's health professionals like OB/GYNs, when they observe in their patients, like you know, you need some hormonal balancing, and I can see that um, you're experiencing a lot of stress. Rather than throwing hormones at you, I'm going to send you to an acupuncturist so that we can get that stress under control, and then we can see if that balances out naturally. I think of like Ghostbusters, like when, <laughs> you know, when there's this mystery or this medical mystery that can't be solved or something, you're called in to help look at it through a different lens, or um, maybe just that person is not necessarily a good candidate for you know the common types of medical interventions that are used. And so they call you in for that. It's kind of exciting in that sense because it keeps me on my toes and it, it gets me excited to be able to provide value to other healthcare professionals too. It does seem like <laughs> kind of like a ghostbuster that goes around like doing special emergencies. But like, uh, for instance, the other day I had a lady who had needed to be induced because she was um, maybe a few weeks uh, post her her due date, um, and it was getting pretty hard on her body. The doctor did not want to give her Pitocin because she um, has had uh, numerous C-sections before, and if they were going to give her Pitocin, then it was going to possibly cause her some injury, or her uterus some injury, um, because of the scar tissue, and her issue was that she had never given birth naturally before. They needed me to step in to help induce her naturally, and um, it was a a pretty hard case, but we ended up we ended up helping her make it happen naturally. So she didn't have to induce by pitocin, um, and she didn't have to get another C-section, which was brilliant. Wow! So to prevent like this major surgery and complications in this woman, that must have been a victory for you. 
For sure, for sure. It was it was so not satisfying, but just like fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where you were able to help somebody, especially you know, in spite of everything else that was probably tried before, or the fact that you know, really common medication was not going to help this person. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny because in this profession, you you see like everything on both sides of the spectrum where it's just like really highly specialized stuff that people can't figure out and then also just like coming back to the basics and just centering yourself because acupuncture when it first started was was really made to be preventative medicine so like traditional chinese medical practitioners were hired by like the chinese emperor right to make sure that they ensured his health and so they were only paid if they could ensure that he was healthy. If he got sick, then they were fired. And so a lot of like our our approaches, a lot of our treatments and herbs are put in place so that we can ensure health before somebody gets sick. So instead of being proactive, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, something's wrong, please help me. But what you're saying is that acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine is really supposed to be used frequently and as a first like a first line of defense like so it's preventative yeah yeah because um you you get acupuncture so that you don't get sick it's really how it's supposed to be used like and now it's kind of been put into this category in which it fits a little bit more into western medicine because western medicine is a little bit more reactive and it, it serves a purpose there but where I think we as practitioners are a little bit happier, we're like happier and more at home is where we're able to take care of our patients and ensure their health. Right. And wow, what a complete difference I feel like (laughs) even when you talk about how if they, if the Chinese emperor got sick, then they were fired. I mean, talk about, yeah, like they were executed, but you know, (laughs) Oh yeah. Fired or executed. Right. (laughs) You just went with the less morbid example, but that's funny. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can imagine how, how much more effective and more comfortable you are in your element of preventing things versus reacting to them. Of course, because I'm a therapist and I'm a mental health practitioner, I would like to know how your services can contribute or how can a therapist, mental health person work together with an acupuncture? It's so important to work with a mental health professional, especially when you have a lot of chronic and recurring sort of issues. Uh, specifically because when you're working through the body and you're doing body treatments like acupuncture, you inherently work through emotions and latent emotions specifically that you have to be able to process in a healthy way. So in acupuncture, or rather in traditional Chinese medicine or TCM is what they call it, the view of the body can be categorized into three different parts. So there is the jing, that's what they say in Chinese. Jing is the physical portion of the body. The qi is the energetic or emotional part of the body. And the shen is the spirit and or the higher self, if you will. And in order for a body to flow and to be healthy, all three of these things, the spirit, the energy, and the physical have to be able to align. And typically when there are things that... Um, that go awry, then it can be connected into the energetic or the spiritual. Does that make sense? So when we're treating people, we never just see them as just physical. 
there always has to be an understanding of the energetic and emotional body as well as the spiritual body. And so, like, for instance, if we're treating somebody with a heart condition, the heart and the mind in Chinese medicine are one and the same thing. And so somebody comes in with a heart condition, we're actually treating their spiritual. If they come in with, like, let's say, um, you know, ADHD or mania or whatever, and that's, that would be considered like a heart condition in Chinese medicine, we're treating their physical heart by acupuncture as well. That makes so much sense. It's not even funny. So like, because so cool. <laughs> even though, even though, you know, I don't really have a lot of exposure to traditional Chinese medicine, at least professionally or personally as a therapist, I truly believe that there's a mind-body-spirit connection. Yes. And when people experience depression or something like a mood disorder, like anxiety, there are somatic symptoms. And then so sometimes what we'll do with clients is we'll have them activate their bodies. So then that way, after they activate their body, they get the benefit from whatever hormonal changes or chemical changes happen because they were put into body action first. Yes. And then sometimes um, we actually have to work on the spiritual part or the, I guess, mental cognitive part in order for healing to happen in the body. So that makes a lot of sense, especially because I work a lot with victims of trauma. There's actually this book by Bessel van der Kolk. It's called The Body Keeps Score. And so it talks about how these traumas and things that happen to us in our lives that are adverse experiences get stored in the body sometimes. So we might not yeah. even have words or language or emotions to express, but sometimes uh -huh. these things have to be expressed through body. Yes. So it makes total sense. Yeah. That's, yeah, that is so cool. I gotta check out that book too. That sounds so interesting. Yeah, I can, I'll put a link, like maybe a link to Amazon or something mm -hmm. onto uh, my podcast page, but I can send it to you through email as well. More and more, I think, in mental health, um, especially working with trauma victim, we're starting to talk about um, practices that involve all three parts of a person. When somebody goes through something really bad, their mind gets affected, their body gets affected, and then their spirit or soul, whatever it might be, that uh, seems like intuitive, but apparently it's not yet. <laughs> I think that it used to be, right? Like, that used to be what medicine addressed. And somewhere down the line, um, when when modern medicine kind of took over, it, we took out the mind body, uh, the mind spirit portion of it because perhaps it was it was uh, easier to digest, it was easier to measure. Right. Yeah. So just because it's easier to measure um, and it's measurable, right? Because it's tangible, they kind of put a little more trust in it, I guess. But. Um, something now that we're talking about in trauma work, at least, I don't know about regular talk therapy or other types of psychotherapy, but I know for trauma work, we want to look at things that are called promising practices. There's some sort of effect that enough people have described or have experienced using a non-traditional or non-therapy treatment. For example, um, I know that yoga is kind of like a big one. There's there's a treatment called EMDR, which is it's based on bilateral stimulation of the brain. And the only way to stimulate your brain in that way is to move certain body parts that are connected to each hemisphere of the brain. So those kinds of things are, you know, showing a little more evidence, at least for trauma victims. I wonder though, Kathleen, have you ever treated somebody who has 
uh, had some sort of mental disorder or emotional problems with acupuncture? Yes, I've actually, it, yeah, I've treated a lot of them. Um, and so it's mostly ladies who have experienced something traumatic in their lives. And um, acupuncture seems to help quite well with it, actually. So this is kind of where my traditional Filipino healing kind of comes into play as well. Because it, it's interesting, when it comes to trauma, it's a lot less linear than it would be if it were just purely a physical issue. Um, as you know, as a, as a counselor, you know, there's, I don't know if it's like the best way to describe it, but then like touching on trauma feels more like a dance, more so than like a linear progression. Um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> that makes total sense. And so when somebody comes in for trauma, it's almost as if there's a need for a reintegration of different parts of their spirit or soul that seem to have been lost in the process. Um, there's a part of themselves that they're not touching into anymore. And so as they move forward in their lives, they don't, they feel fragmented and they're certainly not whole. The process in acupuncture is not so much talk therapy, but kind of, um, body observation, where you're feeling into your body and possibly diving into um, emotions that you haven't, you haven't fully integrated from the event. That makes so much sense and there are some upcoming research articles by really famous trauma researchers that talk about reintegration and how trauma fragments people. So everything yeah. that you're saying makes total sense to me. <laughs> And it seems to be, you know, as I've looked through um, different modalities, traditional modalities um, or medicines, this seems to be a fairly uh, common theme. Like even in uh, Mexican curanderismo, there is a, um, a disease called susto, which is just kind of like a soul loss, right? And so a, a traditional curandera would, it's her job to be able to reintegrate those parts of the soul that have been lost as well. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, and there's a, a similar sort of um, idea too. So one of my uh, doctoral advisors actually specializes in Shen medicine, which is like the spiritual sort of um, mental uh, mental aspect of Chinese medicine where we deal specifically with psychological issues. It is very much that approach. It's, it's looking at the person in the whole, seeing what's missing, and gently creating this re-welcoming of that space. It's creating um, comfort and welcoming within the body so that you can start to bring yourself to a space where you can start to digest what is occurring. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense to me and now I feel so much more prepared to start making referrals to acupuncturists in the area for, for a lot of my clients. Um, it makes a lot of sense and I think that a lot of people who have experienced mental illness have kind of been put through this like rigmarole of like this is what you should try and then we're gonna try medication and then you gotta go home and do homework but sometimes it's like the body or the mind or the person's being is not ready for that and so I can see how acupuncture or visiting somebody who has a holistic view like in traditional Chinese medicine can help that person get a little closer to healing and open up their being to, to get ready for that kind of thing. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yay! This is great. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm like, it's so wonderful talking to you because I, it's so helpful for me as a practitioner too to hear 
your point of view and how you approach um, your patient? You know, I think that our professions, I think along with occupational therapy and some other kind of like unpopular or uncommon types of therapeutic professions, we all are kind of misunderstood in some way. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it could be about it could be about stigma, or it could be about culture, and people just don't believe that some of these things work, but just because you can't measure it or just because it doesn't come in a pill form doesn't mean that it doesn't work. One other thing that I wanted to ask you is who can participate in acupuncture? Is there kind of like a criteria or people that would be completely unsuitable for this kind of treatment? Um, literally anybody can participate in acupuncture, um, save for the people who have severe issues with needles um, it's you know to be quite honest it's typically guys who are super sensitive to needles and who are afraid of just um, the concept of it I think that people might think that the needles that we use are very much like the hypodermic needles that you see in Western offices um, and it's certainly not that they're about as thin as a hair and you don't feel any pain when they're inserted into your body you just feel very relaxed it's almost like getting a deep tissue massage um, and so, save for those who have um, a psychological barrier to needles, pretty much everybody is a candidate. That's amazing. But I would imagine that <laughs> if, <laughs> if they have a needle phobia and they're willing to just try it, I would wonder if that phobia would resolve also because not only because of you know the exposure to the needles but because of the nature of acupuncture it might just cause some healing there you never know <laughs> i i've gotten so many people who um for years told me you know i can't do it because the needles blah, blah 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 and then they finally come around to the idea and they're like okay i'll let you i'll let you treat me and then we do it and they're like oh my god are you serious like this is what i was afraid of like <laughs> yeah i don't even anything this feels amazing <laughs> so they were like building it up in their heads to this big deal right and then they go in and it's like wow this is actually really pleasant that's awesome oh, for sure yeah and like it's always like to be quite honest it's always like the big dudes with the tattoos up and down their arms that are the most freaked out <laughs> oh by my people. god even Which though they crazy. have tattoos right like <laughs> yeah you know it's like the other the other week i had a, a quarterback or not a quarterback like a linebacker who came in he was like oh have you stuck in the needles yet have you stuck in the needles yet and like literally had like stuck in 10 of them and he had been you know anticipating pain and like the treatment was already done wow so it can yeah. really go unnoticed yeah if you get the right practitioner and you and they're, they're using the correct needle technique um you typically don't feel anything at all awesome and what other kinds of services do you provide there so it's full traditional chinese medical clinics so we do acupuncture cupping herbs um, I also provide uh, facial rejuvenation treatments, which is natural approaches to um, anti-aging. So gua sha is one of the things that are, seem to be very popular in my clinic. And gua sha is just a, a small, flat jade tool that you use to gently sculpt your face. And it helps to plump and lift the skin. Is it painful? Um, no, it's actually very, very relaxing. So it's perfect for people with um, TMJ or sinus pressure. Um, and just any facial tension, it's brilliant. And it, it seems to help quite a bit for migraines and tension headaches. Th there's one thing that I want to address. That I used to be a trainer and like a group fitness instructor, and I love exercise and things like that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get really sore, and I've done obstacle races where I'm like out for like a week. And more recently, I think Michael Phelps has done um, cupping, is what you mentioned right now, right? Um, oh, yeah. 
What freaks me out about it though is that I don't know if everybody's supposed to be practicing that, right? Because I've seen like on Instagram pages and stuff like that, like people in their CrossFit gyms and stuff are just getting these cups or like trying to do it themselves. And I'm like, oh my God, like stop. <laughs> but yeah. um, can you talk a little bit more about that technique? Yeah, so it, it's one of the very many modalities that we do in traditional Chinese medicine. We, we do get trained in it. Like we do a full, um, over a semester's worth, of training on it. What we use typically in Chinese medicine is fire cupping. So it's glass cups and uh, we use cotton balls that we light on fire with forceps um, to create a vacuum and it creates a suction that pulls up into the cup. And I feel in my experience that is the most effective and most comfortable way to do cupping. There are easy way, easier ways to do cupping like uh, the plastic cups that you use a pump for um, or silicone cups that are pretty like accessible. You can find them on like Amazon. You can't really do too much damage with that. Uh, those, those modalities are what you do for yourself at home. Um, but I do see a lot of practitioners who are unlicensed doing that um, in their own practices and they tend to leave it on for too long or use too much suction um, or the technique and placement is just off and yeah that is an issue <laughs> okay yeah I'm glad you clarified though that there are different ways to do a cupping and you should probably first consult with somebody who is certified in the technique and has had the training and then I would imagine that you would make recommendations for people to do things at home and teach them how to do that. Yeah, because I, you know, not everybody is a candidate for cupping. You learn from experience and from from training who can and can't do it. And if you do do it on someone, you have to be able to know which areas you can place cups and where you shouldn't place cups. Um, but for the most part, uh, I, there, there's no regulation around it. So I guess it is like a free for all. It's one of those things where there's a free for all, and um, it seems to be a trend. One other question that just popped into my head that I think is important is how do people pay for your services? Is this something that is uh, now being paid for by insurance companies or is it out of pocket? For my own personal clinic, it is out of pocket. I do accept HSA and FSA. Um, there are some acupuncturists who have somebody to accept bill for insurance. For the most part, you know, insurance covers acupuncture, I think. Oh, um, I forgot to mention too, that in my clinic, I also offer functional medical programs um, that help to balance hormones and reset your adrenals. Adrenals are? Your cortisol and pretty much like your powerhouse. Can you talk a little bit about your work, like where you're located and how people can get in touch with you? For sure. Um, my website is www.acupuncture.com and you can find me on Instagram at acupuncture. It's A-C-U-F-U-N-K-T-U-R-E. And um, if you have any questions about acupuncture for yourself or just in general, you can always email me at info at acupuncture.com. That's awesome. And you practice in Texas, but I'm not sure exactly where in Houston Texas so I'm in um, kind of like the Garden Oaks uh, area in Houston are there any acupuncturists in the area I'm, I'm in the El Paso area because it's where I live so are there any that you would recommend or how do we find a local acupuncturist there are a couple websites you can go to to find a licensed acupuncturist locally. Uh, the first one is acufinder.com or uh, nccaom.org. Okay, so that's nccaom, as in Mary, mm -hmm. dot org. Okay, got it. 
I just want to say thank you so much, Kathleen, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. It was such a pleasure to chat. I know. It's been so long that I even talked to you. I, I feel like this podcast so far, I've had a lot of guests on here that I either went to high school with or that I've known for a really long time. And so you're another one of those people. And it's so cool to know you. You're such an interesting person. Yeah. And anytime you want to come back and talk about anything else, you let me know. We can make it happen. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. It was so great to connect with you. Well, everyone, there you have it. We just spoke to Kathleen Funk, an acupuncturist based in Houston, Texas, who I've known since high school, by the way, which seems to be a recurring theme on the show. But anyway, if you have any other pressing questions about what we just talked about today or any other mental health matters, you can contact me on my podcast page, which is www.wondercounselor.podbean.com. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist with Crystal Acosta, licensed professional counselor. Until next time.